0: Oftentimes, a merchant starts selling regionally or nationally, which helps with supply chain operations and overall early business success. However, when you have reached national success, what's next? Internationalization. And yes, that is a big word. This week, we are unearthing a recording we did at the beginning of the pandemic and are joined by a good friend of ours to talk shop. Let's dig in. Welcome to Commerce Tea, a podcast to help you succeed on Shopify.
1: I'm Rian. And I'm Kelly. Grab a mug and join us as we talk about all things commerce.
0: Hey, Kelly. How can merchants leverage customer data to drive more revenue and increase retention? How can they create personalized experiences customers love?
1: I recommend Octane AI, the leading buyer profile platform for Shopify and Shopify Plus merchants. How does it work? Octane AI features a shop quiz, Facebook Messenger and SMS, and opt-in tools. Using the shop quiz, merchants can get to know customers with interactive questions. From product recommenders to gift finders, you can learn about a customer's needs, preferences, pain points, and more. This information gets saved into buyer profiles and you can sync your buyer profile data with your Facebook Messenger, SMS, email and ad campaigns for personalized customer journeys. What kinds of returns can brands expect? Brands using the Shop Quiz have increased email signups by 16 times and driven a 28% increase in average order value. Facebook Messenger and SMS see 80 to 95% average open rates and drive up to a 20% increase in revenue. Better yet, Octane AI has plans for any size business and offers a 14 day free trial. Every plan gives you access to the Shop Quiz Facebook Messenger, SMS, and opt-in tools. There are also plans available where Octane AI's experts will help you set up and optimize your tools for success. This sounds great. Where can merchants go to learn more? You can learn more, book a demo, or try it free at join.octaneai.com slash commerce tea. Again, that's join.octaneai.com slash commerce tea.
0: Good morning, Kelly. How are you? I'm doing well. Hey, look, we recorded this at the beginning of the pandemic. What is happening for you today?
1: Uh, Today, I am getting my second Pfizer shot. I'm so excited. And also never like, okay, we literally recorded this, I think, in June of Mm -hmm. 2020. So here we are. I had no idea what we would be. Well, life was very different in June of 2020 as well. Just generally speaking with the pandemic, there was a lot we were still learning Uh, but I'm really excited that we're, we're kind of nearing the light at the end of the tunnel here and hopefully we can see each other in person again soon.
0: I cannot wait to give you a big hug.
1: I know. (laughs) And you also get your back, your second shot soon too.
0: I do next week. Woo. Yes. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. So
1: I'm really glad we're bringing this episode back. I am too, because I feel like it's important. It's, it's even more important now to be discussing internationalization um, this is a really, really good interview. Uh, Alex is one of our good friends. I think you're really going to enjoy this. I did want to just preface it with one thing that because we recorded this in June of 2020, there have been some updates that have been made to both the Shopify as a whole and Shopify Plus in terms of internationalization, uh, especially around the area of multi-currency. So one of the the more recent developments is that you're able to set pricing in multiple currencies on one single store. You could not do this before. You would have to set up multiple stores to go international uh, to sell in those different currencies. So just a heads up there that there might be some old news in there, I guess. Uh, But generally speaking, just the overall concepts of going international, this, this episode will be really, really, really helpful if you're looking to expand beyond borders. Let's do it.
0: Today we have Alex, co-founder of We Make Websites, the international Shopify Plus agency. Hi there, Alex. How are you doing?
2: Hello. I'm good. How are you both?
0: We're awesome. So, so tell us, who are you? What do you do?
2: Um, <laughs> who am I? Deep question. So I'm Alex. I am co-founder at we Make Websites, and um, we work on Shopify Plus. We're one of the inaugural partners, and we work with international brands on that platform. So we started that business in 2009, Um, started off in London, and now we have two offices, Uh, one in London, one in New York, which is where I live now. And um, well, that's the short version.
1: Awesome. Our focus for this conversation is on international selling because I am not a resident expert in it, and there are a lot of tricks to selling internationally and that's why we're talking to you today. So can I sell internationally on Shopify? Can like anyone sell internationally on Shopify?
2: Yeah, so Shopify uh, make it easy and also I would say uh, in your defense Kelly that you know a lot of US companies don't need to worry about it. You know, a lot of brands D2C brands the US is an enormous market um, and there's plenty of fresh pastures within the, the, the nation so i do think that you know compared to europe where you once you get beyond well almost after you start a business you have to start thinking about selling internationally so i think it is normal that it comes later on in the process um and it is complicated um, as i'm sure we'll get into but it's certainly a lot less complicated than it used to be and part of that is the work that shopify done. so if you're already on that platform Um, you definitely have a solid basis for doing this. And in the last two years, they have rolled out loads of improvements to make it easier to sell um, online. And I suppose the various elements of those we should get into. So when you're selling abroad, there's all sorts of considerations like translating the site, selling different currencies, um, taxes, shipping. um, Yeah, and each of those are quite deep topics. But for each of them, Shopify has got some sort of feature now that will help you. Um, so, yes, the shop.
0: So that sounds like a potentially daunting task. What what features right now are there native to Shopify, um, and then what features are there that if a person works with an agency can they kind of unlock?
2: Yeah. Okay. So I suppose multi-currency is a good place to start with that. That obviously to sell abroad, you're going to have a much higher conversion rate if um, you can sell in local currencies. And um, that that basically means that when a customer gets to the checkout, that when they check out, um, they're paying in their local currency and they're not going to get charged by their bank and they know exactly what the amount is. Um, So Shopify uh, have a multi-currency feature So you have to use Shopify Payments to use it, which um, I don't know if you've covered that in any other episodes, but there's a few sort of um, uh, things to consider there about if you can use Shopify Payments and so on. But assuming that you can use Shopify Payments, um, then what happens is there's a set of currencies um, that they support that you can basically switch on. So when you're on a given page, you use the the, uh, switching tab you could change from, you know, US dollars to Australian dollars or Canadian dollars or British pounds or euros or whatever, and um, they will change the prices on the front end. And when the customer goes through the checkout, they pay in that currency. Um, so that's something that Shopify released in the last two years. Before that, all you could do was sort of show an indication of price, and then the, the checkout was still in the base currency of the store. Um, the the amounts of money are still converted into your base currency and Shopify have got a load of good documentation on how that works but basically it's a lot a lot better than it used to be a lot easier than it used to be um, where you might have to get an agency involved and that's what we do uh, this is what we do a lot of is when you're selling in different territories and either you can't use Shopify payments or you can't use some of the uh, functionality that they have in um, multi-currency so for example Rounding is a big one. The way multi-currency works on Shopify is it's very elegantly designed. and One of the features is that you can tell it to round prices. So they're going to alter them day by day as the uh, foreign exchange markets change. But you can Mm. say, you know, my euros, I always want them to round up to 95. Or I want Japanese yen to always round to the nearest hundred or whatever it is. Um, Which is great if you don't have wholesalers in those regions uh, that are selling in your goods you know, into Germany or Japan or wherever um, because you normally, as a brand, are going to have agreements with those retailers about what your uh, recommended retail price is. And obviously, if your price is changing all the time on your own website, then that can cause some problems. So it's things like that that, to be honest, tend to affect bigger brands. Um, so once they're doing a, a few million through the store, um, in the case that they need that, Then what we do is we have separate stores on Shopify. So we call that a multi-store architecture. So you might end up with yourbrandname.com, eu.yourbrandname.com, and just like a list of country codes um, for the different domains. And those are different websites. So then you get into a whole load of other questions like, well, okay, how much syncing of content do you have to do between those stores? And how do you maintain a code base for the theme across multiple stores and so on? And that's the sort of stuff that we do. But like I say, you don't have to do that until you're really going, you know, sort of deep down that international route.
1: So speaking on the, you know, so multi-currency we've covered, but I think another pain point that I've, I've experienced is translating content. Uh, this There are apps in the App Store, but I assume you have opinions on the <laughs> apps that currently exist.
2: Yeah, I have some opinions. Um, so... <laughs> Didn't mean that to sound aggressive. So
1: do I. <laughs> we all have opinions. No.
2: I would say nobody's nailed it is the first thing I would say. Um, what, so what we do is, and uh, first of all, a sort of caveat, which is we don't recommend any sort of automation for this, That ultimately you need to be getting your translations right and, and having a native speaker write the content in those languages, especially for the sort of brands that are on Shopify, which um, – tend to be the brands that care more about tone of voice and um, where the brand itself is the proposition. Um, Obviously, if you're selling it to different countries, you want to make sure that you're not making any faux pas and saying the wrong things. So um, with that said, you need a way then of managing content across um, multiple languages. And again, there's been a lot of improvements here. So um, Shopify have a translation API, which is relatively a new thing in the last couple of years which means that they support this natively, but you still need an app to plug into that API to allow you to manage content. Um, It gets a bit complicated. So what we um, tend to do is um, manage for for various uh, translations in Langify. Um, So that gives you a sort of easy place to do it. But what you end up having to do, and this is where it might get a bit complicated, but you have to uh, use a type of file called portable object or machine object, which is a way of translating a load of text. Uh, sorry, storing a load of text. So, what is it in English and what is it in French? It's basically a, a, a table with two columns. And for some reason, it's called portable object or machine object. And you need a, a, an app called a PO edit app to open that up and maintain it. So, you're probably thinking that sounds like a lot of work and uh, my answer is yes it's a lot of work so (laughs) if you're selling internationally it is a lot of work and sometimes well i suppose my point is if you're going down the international route it is a significant investment in time if not money um and translations i think is one of those areas where it's probably good to test that you can actually sell into those markets in english because you know as a sort of um as, as a commonly spoken language most people will be able to shop on that and at least you get some verification that people will actually buy internationally and then maybe you do the translation at a later stage because especially if you're selling in multiple languages, you're going to need a lot of native speakers to do that. Um, And there are translation agencies that that do that as well, so that's great. Um, But, yeah, not not easy.
0: I have a follow-on question about translating content because SEO, there's like a unique perspective um, in terms of translation, and I think you nail it when you talk about having the individual domains as opposed to just translating everything through one. Yep. Am I misunderstanding your your thoughts on that? Your thoughts are like in a perfect world, um, Brand X has a uk, a .ca, a .everything. And on each one, okay, I just gave three Anglophone com- countries. That was a bad example. But <laughs> dot <laughs> Dot fr or so, right? So, dot something else. Um, and then there's that content exists uniquely on that page, and it's not a one to one translation, it's a translation that fits the local syntax. And yeah,
2: and it may also be, it may also be different based on, uh, you know, if you're in sale because there's a national holiday, and obviously those might be different in different countries. So, there is an opportunity when I say that you're suddenly managing, you know, five websites of content to. Optimize it for each. And I think part of the art of this is figuring out which bits, you know, which parts of your catalog really are the same um, throughout the store, uh, throughout all your stores, and which parts are different. Um, and there is generally an element of, uh, I suppose, how much attention you pay to a translation will vary between us. So the kind of banners and sort of marketing material, you would hope that that is absolutely spot on in terms of tone of voice and the message. Because you don't want to be making any mistakes there, then you might get into you know product descriptions and things where you can probably be a bit less careful as long as you're correct. But you know it's not that's so nuanced as marketing, copywriting. Um, and then just another thing whilst I'm thinking about that, you also need to think about support, which is if you've got you know uh, email addresses and chat uh, box and all this sort of thing, they also need to be able to cater to that language, which is you know another consideration. But anyway, to go back to your point about SEO, which is yeah, that that um field is enormous of SEO and still lots of debate about you know what's the best. And also it really truly varies on resources and how big you are as a business. So like generally what we do is exactly like you said then. So you know, EU dot or fr dot and then UK dot and US dot or whatever the country codes are as subdomains. Um or you could do them as folders. So the way that um Shopify's translation API works, is you get a, a subfolder per language. So this is where it starts getting a bit complicated, because you might have a different store per currency. So let's say euros and uh, pound sterling, and US dollars. So that's three stores. Then on your euro store, you might have five languages. So, you know, Spanish, French, German, Italian, whatever you've got. So then you might end up with eu.yourbrand.com/fr, so a French version of the store in for euros, um, and all that decision making. I think is something that needs a lot of planning. You know what? What, what, do you, what is the end result? Um, another way you can do this, I mean, this tends to be what the big brands do. So it's a bit of a large undertaking. But you could also have a uh, uh, country. Uh, level domain for each so you might have your brand you know, your brand name.fi your brand name.com which you know then you've got several different domains that you're trying to boost vsa on so it's a lot you know if you're not nike or patagonia then that's going to be a lot of work um so i think it, it yeah what i see most common i think that's probably the most useful way to answer this question is to have um the the shopify multi-language api use different folders So yourbrandname.com, FR is French one, yourbrandname.com is probably English default, yourbrandname.com slash GE is a German. And then if you do need to uh, take multiple currencies and and control the price, you have a different store, Shopify store, per uh, currency. And if you don't need to do that, and you can use Shopify's multi-currency product, which if you can, you probably should, um, in that case, you'd only have one actual store because the one Shopify store is powering both all the currencies and all the languages.
1: That sounds like a lot of work. It does sound <laughs> like a lot of work. It does sound
0: it does sound a bit like a lot. But this is this is something that you, we're seeing mostly in Plus, right? For Plus yeah, merchants. Uh, yeah. Okay.
2: I, I would say just solely based on the, the size of brand, you need to be to invest the time in this, and I think a good stepping stone. Um, I suppose we haven't really talked about the trigger for actually going international, but a good stepping stone is looking at where your traffic is currently, and you know, do you get a lot of um, customers in a, a, for, a foreign country, and therefore, is it worth investing in setting up there? Because we haven't even got into the physical, real world side of do you then get a warehouse in that country, and you know, and, and ship and get a three PL, or, or are you just sending it internationally? You know, which I wouldn't say I'm an expert in because I don't, you know, at the end of the day, I'm not running really an e-commerce business, but there's a variety of options there. Um, but I think that the secret is to take it slowly. So maybe you start off selling in English, but you accept different languages and you Shopify multi-currency because it's relatively straightforward to set up. Um, and then further down the track, you look at, you know, optimizing more just as you do everything. Then we're going to look at optimizing languages and home uh, uh, and landing pages and AdWords campaigns and all this sort of thing. Um, But yeah, definitely a big, complicated topic, which is why I'm so glad I chose it today.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just some light, light, easy things to speak about on a
1: podcast, (laughs) like internationalization and how to do it. Um, And also speaking of really fun topics, taxes.
2: (laughs) Oh, right. (laughs) How in the world
1: does somebody handle taxes when they're (laughs) selling it internationally?
2: So I must caveat this answer by saying, you know, ultimately... I'm not an accountant or a lawyer, so take this all with a pinch of salt. Um, But generally, um, okay, the big things to know. um, Probably one of the biggest things to realise is that the US way of adding sales tax when you go to checkout. You know, it's always surprising as a foreigner when I go to a shop, right? And I get to the checkout, and it costs more than what it said, and that's tax. Which is unique, as far as I know, it's unique to the US. So, the idea that 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 tax is added afterwards. And the reason that's important for e commerce is it determines how you store your prices. Um, Because here you store them exclusive of sales tax, and every well, as far as I know, most other places, especially in Europe, you uh, store them inclusive of prices. So, if my product costs £100, the UK equivalent of sales tax is called VAT, value added tax. So 20% of that goes to the government, basically. But the price I show is £100. Whereas here, let's say it's $100. Well, um, you store the price at $100, you show $100, and then at the checkout, as you know, you get to this thing where it says, by the way, here are all the taxes that you're paying, which are added on. So the brand is basically saying, you know, you know that's not me, that's the government, that's what's going on. So it, that makes things complicated for us, right? Because if with all these things I've just talked about, one of the, uh, one of the options was to have one store. And the problem then is your pricing um, is going to be it's going to work differently uh, because because the the, um, the setting for tax is global to the to the Shopify store. So that's a good example of where you might end up with different stores. So your US store might be separate to your European store, simply so you can charge um, store prices differently. The next thing on tax is um, uh, uh, so. A couple of years ago, ago I think I think it was twenty seventeen maybe twenty eighteen there was a case between Wayfair and the state of South Dakota, and basically what the case was was state of South Dakota saying, if you sell goods into our state, you should be paying us sales tax and the state won that case, and that now applies to most states have adopted like a similar ruling um there's a threshold just to make this more complicated so you know if you sell less than into the state of South Dakota, you don't have to worry. But if you do, then when you file taxes, you need to file in the states that you sell into. And that is basically why Avalara exists, which is a sort of tax calculation software which will work out based on where the customer is and where you are, because also what is called your tax nexus, so your physical presence in states can determine where you pay tax. So if your employees are in New York, but your warehouse is in New Jersey, but you also have a team that's, you know, based in Indiana, then you might be paying taxes in all those places as well. So obviously that gets horrendously complicated. So what Avalara do is basically work out where you owe taxes. And again, that is quite specific to the U.S. So generally your U.S. store will have that. But Avalara will also help power and calculate your taxes um, internationally as well and just generally help with the admin around that. So Use Avalara, speak to professionals, um, and then just be aware of when it comes to things like product information management, be aware of that fact about price. So you might have a database where you store all your prices, um, and that might be Shopify or it might be a PIM or ERP system, and you might then have to convert that price. You know, So like what we see a lot uh, with our UK businesses is all the prices are stored, inclusive of that. Um which then when that price, even if it's converted to dollars, is put on a US site, ends up being very expensive because when the sales tax has been added again on top If you see what I mean? So lots to think about basically when it comes to tax. So I think it's a fine balancing of doing the compliance and actually making sure you know that you're generating the right um, uh, tax returns and all the rest of it, um, but also making sure that you're priced competitively in those markets and sort of following convention. So you're not surprising people with a tax at checkout. Because US stores have the opposite problem, which is, oh, we just add tax at checkout. So if I'm shopping in the EU and I get to your store and I start checking out on it, and suddenly you're charging me another you know, 10% and think, oh, no, that's not right. I thought I was only paying 100 um, pounds, which is a, sort of a cultural difference, I guess. Um, but it's where culture meets commerce. <laughs>
0: Okay, so speaking of incredibly complex things, let's talk a little bit about how to ship goods internationally, and the best way to do that—that is the least time-consuming and the most efficient.
2: Right. So this is another huge topic, Um, (laughs) (laughs) and you tell I'm really uh, yeah. It's like where to start of all these things. So I think I think with shipping, um, obviously the simplest is to do whatever you do now, but ship it abroad, um, which costs. Obviously, more you know, the moment you start FedExing stuff abroad, um, costs more, uh, and you also have to think about there's all sorts of rules when you ship internationally, and obviously it just takes a lot longer. Um, which I remember, like you know, when I was young, you could only buy a lot of stuff from US stores, like you know, band t-shirts and things, and you got you got used to waiting, you know, two weeks for it to arrive, and that used to be fine. But obviously, all our norms have changed around e-commerce, and we expect it to basically arrive next day and all the rest of it. So. I think, again, thinking about this from a sort of perspective of what's easier to what's most optimized, you start off by doing that. And okay, it might be slightly more expensive. And sometimes you have to eat a bit of um, the cost in your margin. So maybe not be, so you might not be charging on your shipping table the full amount. And maybe you're just accepting a lower profit margin on those products. And then once you know that people are actually interested in whatever target markets, you can begin to optimize and say, well, actually, we're going to get a three PL in that country. Uh, we're going to ship goods there, and that certainly is uh, ultimately lower cost and a better um, experience for the customer. It does, you know, obviously that is a, a big undertaking and something that uh, needs a lot of planning and to to do a lot of research into. Um, In terms of apps, so just to bring it back to Shopify, ShipStation seems to integrate with everything. Um, Their coverage is only US, UK, and Australia, I think, from memory. Um, AfterShip and Shippo also are good options. The sort of Venn diagram of functionality between those three is not totally overlapping, so it's worth looking at them and getting into what you actually need. Um, A really, really important thing to not forget is returns because obviously some people are going to want to send the goods back and that gets even more complicated when they're not in the same country as you um so for that we've used uh clicks uh returns manager and, and returnly as well and these are all sort of apps in the app store so have a look at the apps do a bit of research on it and i, I think i suppose for any merchant that's listening if you go and if you know brands that have done this i think that's the thing to do and go and ask well, what did they learn from doing it because it's, it's shipping is one of those things that is a really um tactical like learn by doing learn by mistakes learn by getting stuff smashed because it was you know shipped for two weeks in a <laughs> plane and you know it's all very down to earth like practical stuff so get the experience of a knowledge that's already out there i think before you dive into this
1: let's talk about china <laughs>
2: <laughs> <Cool. laughs> <laughs> go. a political statement, is it?
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's <was>, that segue. <laughs> Thank you. Um <laughs> I am a professional podcaster. Uh, <laughs> so let's talk about shipping to China. Yeah. Because so I think we we often talk about receiving products from China but not shipping into China.
2: Yeah, exactly. So I uh, so I would assume, just based on Shopify's like overall merchant base, that most of them are outside China and looking at selling in. Um, and it's not straightforward. So the, the 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 Chinese market is absolutely enormous. It is about half of all e-commerce. So that is mm-hmm. the size of the market. Um, and I think in recent years, you know, you've had more like sort of uh, luxury and lifestyle brands that are already quite big, selling successfully in that market. Um, from our experience of this with our clients, um, not well, let me get to the outcome. Normally what you end up doing is having a sort of brochure site that shows off your goods, but generally not a transactional site. And there's a few reasons for that. Um, most people buy through Tmall and JD, which are like the big sort of e-commerce platforms, uh, sort of an equivalent to Amazon and eBay, uh, I suppose. The difference is that the, the concept of having your own website, your own property, and your, uh, uh, like, for example, your own email list isn't the, the norm there. So normally you're selling through one of these enormous marketplaces, which um, do have programs, especially Tmall, which, as you've guessed by, from the name, is a bit more like a mall where you do have like a brand page and um, uh, analytics and, and sort of marketing tools and stuff. And they will set up an account for you and you sell through that. Um, so what I would recommend if, if you are doing that, and again, it helps if you've already proven that people are interested in buying from you before you dive into this stuff, because it's not easy or cheap. Um, normally you'd have a, 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 a Chinese version of your store that uh, runs on Shopify and is like more of a brochure, like a brand experience, sort of that, that sort of content. And then the individual pages normally would link out to one of these stores. Um, that's just one way of doing it. Um, to be honest, it's still a quick developing area, I think, that nobody has sort of cracked it. And I think the, the other thing to remember is uh, foreign hosted websites are slower in China, and there's all sorts of things about there. You've got to cut down. Um, links to social media, you've got to cut down asset sizes and all sorts of things that will mean that your site is then faster but it's just a bit of a different ball game compared to to expanding elsewhere so I would say to brands uh, look into it but look into it with caution and um, it's quite a big undertaking and those platforms that do have sort of managed services are not cheap Um, so definitely something to do once you're further down the road of internationalization
0: Wow. So we have gone over a lot of things and I think I'm beginning to understand internationalization. At least at least I've s- scratched the surface. Um and thank you Alex for joining us and helping us and all of our listeners understand what is a complex topic that is also essential to to high growth stores that are high volume on Shopify. Um specifically Shopify Plus stores. And We've been ending all of our episodes with shout-outs to a store that we really like this week. And Kelly, why don't you start first?
1: Okay. So I feel like I should probably stay on brand for once to Commerce Tea. So I chose a store that sells tea. Yay! Uh, it's called Lady Rose Teas. Um, they have a tea sampler that I am most definitely going to be buying so that we can drink tea while we record Commerce Tea which is appropriate. Um, but they also sell like other different kinds of teas that I'm not familiar with. Like, uh, there's such thing as hair teas. Um, there are bath teas. I don't know. I have a lot to learn about tea for somebody who decided to name a podcast and include the word tea in it. I don't know much about tea. So (laughs) my tea usually comes in the little, like the, the multi box packages from the grocery store. So I'm not familiar with loose leaf teas in general. Um, but that was a long way of saying, yes, Lady Rose Specialty Teas is my store this week. Alex, what's
2: yours? Do I get to choose a store? Yeah, You get to choose a store. Oh, wow. Can I choose one of our own?
1: Yeah, Absolutely.
2: Okay. So one of the sites that we've launched recently, um, which I think has got lots of good examples of um, internationalization uh, and selling in different regions and so on, is Pangaea. So that's spelled P-A-N-G-A-I-A. They're a sustainable clothing brand. Um, It's a really beautiful site uh, that was built for our team and like I say, fully international. So that would be my recommendation.
0: Thank you for that.
2: Rian, what's yours?
0: Mine is a brand called Form Swim, which are smart goggles for swimmers. And, it's pretty cool because it measures the distance that you're swimming and it can also sense what stroke you're doing while you're swimming. What? And then it gives the swimmers feedback in real time. In um, y'all I'm sure remember the the Google Glass. So think that and it has a display right in front of your eyes so you know exactly how long you've been swimming, how many laps you've done, how many meters you swam, et cetera. And oh. the reason I'm calling them out is is it sounds like it would be bad, but it's actually really good. One, it's beautifully designed, but two, um, my daughter has a pair and they actually broke. And which to be honest, I'm not sure how much of that is the product versus my daughter, but <laughs> I, I emailed them and was like, Hey, this happened. She got them as a gift. They were the, the warranty and the, um, replacement process has been so smooth and just what you want to see in a commerce experience that I think they deserve a shout out for just having a great customer experience.
1: Mm. So. I love that. And also, also it's a cool product. I want some and I don't swim. So I expect it to be like, we don't know what the hell you're doing. <laughs>
0: They're like, <laughs> that, ma'am, ma'am, that
1: is not yeah. a stroke. It's just going <laughs> to say good try. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, Nice effort. All right, Alex. So before we leave today, I just want to make sure everyone can find you on the internet. So tell me, where do we find you?
2: So our company website is wemakewebsites.com. Um, you can find out more about what we do there. We also have uh, Twitter, wemakewebsites underscore. A <laughs> bit unfortunate we've got an underscore. Same on Instagram. <laughs> Someone's hogging websites. So if you're listening, <laughs> please get in touch. <laughs> Um, so we make websites underscore on both twitter and instagram and then my personal twitter is aob tweets with a z z with a z (laughs) a-o-b-t-w-e-e-t-z
0: perfect and we'll include all of those in our show notes for our listeners thank you alex so much for joining us it's a pleasure as always to speak with you
2: thank you yeah it's a real pleasure thank you both
0: Clocked in is a time clock for Shopify. With Clocked In, your team members can easily clock in and out of their shifts from anywhere. You can manage your team's hours as they work remotely with an intuitive interface that can be used from desktop, tablet, or mobile. Check it out at clockedin.io or in the Shopify App Store.